Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Megan. And I'm Deidre. And today we have with us our first gentleman, Jeff Finley, and his wife, Jen Finley. And I just feel like that needs to be noted because we've had a lot of episodes on the Dauntless Grace Exchange and have not had a male perspective yet. So thank you for inaugurating this new bold world that we're (laughs) encroaching here, Jeff. So I'm going to let the Finleys introduce themselves a little bit to our listeners. All right. Well, I am Jeff Finley. I'm excited to be a pioneer here on this podcast. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, my day job is editing Light and Life magazine, which is now actually an online magazine uh, published by the Free Methodist Church USA. It's been around in various forms since 1868. So wow. I actually have not been editing it all that time, but I've uh, been doing it for 10 years. And uh, before that, spent a dozen years in the newspaper industry in the Chicago area. And uh, we've been married 23 years. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> and Jen? And, <laughs> um, and I'm Jen, and I'm currently serving as lead pastor of the John Wesley Free Methodist Church here in Indianapolis. Uh, prior to that, I worked for six years at International Child Care Ministries. And prior to that, um, kind of still overlapping, I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor and uh, worked at a child and adolescent psychiatric hospital for many years. Um, as Jeff mentioned, we've been married about 23 years next month. And uh, during that time, just really have been seeking how God would be leading us in terms of our family, in terms of our career, and, and how we could best serve him. I love that you guys. Um, well, I met you both actually when I got to go to the headquarters in Indianapolis and you were still in that role before you took this lead pastor position and um, just see your heart for ministry and for serving through whatever vocation God's called you to be, whether that is in ministry or not, like you just both have such big hearts and it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. So thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time. I really think our listeners are going to be blessed by your testimonies. So we're going to jump in a little bit here because we're, we're talking about parenting. We're talking about not parenting. We're talking about children. We're talking. So I'd like you both just to share some of your perspectives on how God's shaped your story and your family. So um, shortly after Jeff, <laughs> he's looking at me, so I, I guess I'm going to go first. I won't get in trouble if she goes first. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, shortly after Jeff and I got married, we realized that we were ready to start building our family. And um, that did not happen in the way that we expected or the way that we had planned on. And uh, a couple years in, we realized that it just definitely was not going to happen in the way that we had hoped and um, that adoption would be our best option. Um, a lot of prayer, a lot of um, a lot of submitting went into that. If I can just explain it kind of that way, that's sure. kind of that idea that we had to give up um, our dreams, our plans, our thoughts, and just kind of submit to whatever God would have for us. Um, that was an incredibly difficult time to do that. Um, we did go through a miscarriage and a failed adoption during that time. And uh, just really kind of struggling. I'm just going to be honest and vulnerable tonight because I think that we're not alone in that. I think that there are a lot of other couples who have gone through that time where you're just trying to kind of figure out where is God in all of this? I know God is there somewhere, but I just don't see him right now. And uh, trying to figure that out. And um, we eventually were led to Deaconess Pregnancy and Adoption Center out in Oklahoma City um, and went out there 
in June of that year, shortly after a failed adoption, after we had planned to bring a child home and had met him at the hospital, an infant at the hospital. And by the time we got back to our house, our caseworker called us and told us that the family had changed their mind on some things. And um, looking back on it, if we had not gone through that, we would not have been prepared for what God had for us in the coming months. And so just recognizing, you know, after, after a few months, you recognize that God has been preparing you even through the difficult times. Um, and then going out to Oklahoma and adopting our son, Andrew, uh, we call him Drew. And uh, we adopted him at five weeks old and he had actually been born six weeks premature. So he was about five pounds when we brought him home. And uh, he will be turning 13 in a couple of months. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. He's taller than one of his grandparents yeah. we discovered a few days ago. So, yeah, he's really growing up and changing. <laughs> I have an almost 13 year old. So this I can, you know, sympathize, I guess, is the right word yeah. for you. <laughs> yes, sympathize is a good word. <laughs> And what was that like then um, as, as you were navigating some of that, you already mentioned the challenges just to learn to trust God. I mean, that any, any season where longings are exposed and you don't know what to do with them, you can't fix it yourself, you know, it requires surrender. But I'm just thinking about how that has prepared you even probably to be the people that you are in ministry today as well. Like what, what did that journey look like? How was that shaping that part of your life? Yeah, um, I think it it helped us learn that things uh, obviously don't always go the way you expect them to. And also that uh, even sometimes your wonderful Christian friends and people in church, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they say they hear a word from the Lord and it's not always from the Lord. So we had people, you know, speaking uh -huh. to us and say, oh, God told me this, this and this will happen to you. Well, that wasn't actually God's plan. So that was just, you know, something helpful. And, and the people were very well intentioned. And uh, but, you know, we we just needed to learn to trust God mm -hmm. and uh, know that, that his plan is greater than friends, family, others may may be expecting. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it was, uh, you know, definitely a, tr a trying period. But now it's been able to help us connect with other people who are going mm -hmm. through the same same sorts of things. And uh you know, uh, other, other guys that I've been able to talk to who, you know, ha haven't really been able to uh, talk to anyone else uh, who, who's experienced this. So that's uh, now we're seeing it uh, in really both of our ministries that, uh, that it's making a difference. Um, it's not easy to see, obviously, when you're going through it, but, right. but in retrospect, uh, we can see God's hand mm -hmm. on every step of the way. That's good. And I'm going to add to that. So there's a popular song out now called, you know, Waymaker. You've probably heard it. Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. And there's a line in that song that every time just reminds me where it says, even if even if I don't see you, you're working. Even if I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Yeah. And I think that that was a really hard thing for us to learn um, as we kind of experienced that but it's it's been pretty consistent in our lives and in our ministry and our family since then that even when we don't necessarily recognize the hand of God in our lives, it doesn't mean that his hand is not there. And sometimes he works through other people. Sometimes he works through scripture. Sometimes he works through the, through the ministry of the church. Um, but he is always at work. And I, I'm going to kind of echo a little bit about what Jeff said. So I think Jeff has been, this particularly has helped Jeff in ministry because 
you know, it's hard enough for women to talk about things like this. It's hard enough for women to talk about infertility and miscarriage and all of that stuff, but it's even worse for men. And a lot of guys going through that um, just kind of struggle with what to say and how much to say and how they process their own feelings. And it's, it's been interesting that, that uh, a couple guys have come to Jeff knowing that what our experience has been and have been really kind of able to open it up. So um, God always uses, God always uses our, our issues and our past and our experiences for his glory. So that's our goal. I love that so much because what we are all about at Dauntless Grace is being willing to show up in community, whether that's one other accountability person or just being transparent to get into the mess with people. And I think when we are all walled up and we're, because lots of different reasons, there could be shame, embarrassment, just unsure how to go about it, who needs to know this, who doesn't. Um, But we, we just, we become breeding grounds for the lies of the enemy to really take hold and take root um, or for depression to grow in those dark, deep places. And so I love that, especially for men that you were able to connect with others now because of that testimony of what you've lived through um, and how God met you there. Cause we just, we've got to see more of this. We've got to see more of it with women, but like you said, Jen, like, guys just have got to start opening up in these places. It's so important for the deep transformational work that God wants to do. Only because I have to talk about the Enneagram in every episode. I know you guys don't, we already talked about this. I know you guys don't necessarily know your numbers, but the more I've studied the Enneagram, the more I've realized that, um, that maybe there's like a cultural kind of expectation on guys to wall up. But I think our Enneagram numbers actually influence how we want to interact with people a little bit more. So guys who are going to be a little bit more in touch with their feelings based on that number versus a girl who might not be, we, we sometimes can play into the art, uh, the cultural gender expectations, but that's not always how we're wired. And so I love that you just kind of explain that and how you step out of that a little bit, those, those norms maybe, or the, the expectation that's put on you, because I do think it's more about how God has wired us to be able to share those things like Deidre said in community in transparency in order for us to find our own healing. And what does that look like now uh, in your church um, as you have become the lead pastor, Jen? What are some of those cultural norms or things that have maybe played into, um, you know, the hats that you wear today? So um, I am the first woman, the pastor that the church has ever had. And I was a little concerned getting started um, with that, with the burden of that um, in the middle of a pandemic. But um, it's been so wonderful. God has been so good to us. Um, there's, you know, honestly, I wasn't sure how certain demographics, certain groups within the church would respond to me. And I have found that, um, there's a group, for example, there's a group of, uh, older men who have just supported me and encouraged me. They've shown me how to change out the sump pump at the church and, and, you know, a wide variety of things. And they're just such encouraging men. And, um, I, my concern to be honest, going in was, um, would, would men open up to a woman pastor and, um, still kind of working on that to see, you know, is there, is a place, is there a place for honesty and vulnerability in that? Um, but I'm finding that yes, yes, there is, Mm. there's opportunities for, for both men and women, women to be able to see, I think in, um, 
another woman leader, that there's a place for them in leadership as well. And men to be able to feel like, okay, I can talk to her about this and she's going to understand and she's going to listen. And, and so some of those, some of the ways those demographics have played out had just been really interesting. We also have a, a multicultural, a very multicultural church and, and continuing to grow that multiculturalness of the church. And, um, it's just been good to be able to connect with a wide variety of backgrounds and different ethnicities. And God has just been good to us. And Jeff is definitely learning what it means to be, (laughs) to be a pastor's husband. And he's gotten a lot of teasing about that. He doesn't play the piano. He doesn't throw tea parties. He doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. But if we do it, if we have a meal with somebody, he shows up with the pizza. I love it. I can definitely pick up the pizza. That that still works. We had dinner a week ago, Sunday with, uh, three guys who are Nigerian immigrants, uh, two guys from Haiti, and then, uh, couple of fellow Illinois transplants like mm-hmm. myself. And, um, you know, so it was mostly, uh, there were, yeah, Jen and one other wo- uh, woman, and then um, mostly guys. And I mean, they just uh, really connected well with Jen. And uh, all of the the blog posts I read warning about why a woman shouldn't be a pastor, and you're going to lose men in the church. And, um, attendance goes down when a woman pastor comes in. None of those things are playing out at all. And, uh, and, uh, I go to the men's breakfast on Saturday mornings. It's mostly a group of older men and they all the time say, well, it's like our pastor said last week. It's like our Uh pastor said, and they're quoting Jen all the time. And there's definitely a great connection with them. And, uh, that's just kind of, uh, it was surprising to me because it just kind of goes against everything I've gotten online and read, but, uh, yeah, that's not to say that, you know, at some point there won't be some criticism, right. but uh, but it's just been really encouraging. And then if I could just tie the adoption story into that, too. So um, our son is biracial. And um, again, as we first started that journey, we had no idea what that looked like. And we attended a church at that point that was almost entirely um, Caucasian. And uh, just really not sure what that would even look like to raise a biracial boy in our family. Um, But again, God has used that. And it's just really been interesting to see, uh, you know, a few years ago, we attended an annual conference out in, I think, Pennsylvania. And Bishop Roller was out there at the time. And as he was introducing, I think I was speaking for ICCM as he was introducing me, he made the comment, um, the Finleys, you know, their family is a, a picture of what heaven's going to look like with the, with the diversity. And that just kind of jumped out at me that he would even say that. And then um, God calling me to John Wesley. It's just been an incredible fit. Something, again, that we would never have planned. We could never have orchestrated on our own. But God has just used every piece of our story. I love that. What a beautiful testimony. Mm-hmm. I want to know more about your work at ICM as well. I, I mean, I, you, there's a lot of parts of who you people are that are fascinating. So we're probably just going to like keep introducing <laughs> this, but tell, tell our listeners a little bit about that. I don't know how many people know that specifically because it's part of the free Methodist tradition, I believe, right? Maybe you can set me straight there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I worked with ICCM for um, six years as the uh, church relations director um, trying to figure out how churches could um, connect with the mini- the mission, can you say the mission and the ministry of international child care ministries? And um, again, kind of going back to the idea of parenting, 
you don't need to to have children or adopt children in order to make a difference in the lives of children. And uh, this is one way that 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 can happen is through something like International Child Care Ministries, which is a it is through the Free Methodist Church. It's a ministry of the Free Methodist Church that focuses on child sponsorship, focuses on different projects around the world, places in which God is working and people can come alongside the the ministry there and partner for a variety of things, bringing in food, bringing in uh, medical issues. And uh, yeah, it was a really great time to to be a part of that. And again, going back to the idea of, you know, God is doing a global work and it's just a privilege to be a part of that. And um, even if we're not parents, even though for those who are not parents, it's an opportunity to make a huge life-changing impact in, in a child's life. That's something that um, obviously is still going on, even though your role there has shifted. So we'll make sure that people know uh, even how to connect with that ministry as well. So I, I'm going to put you guys on the spot a little bit. I kind of want to, maybe I am the mean one. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to go back to what we were talking about with uh, just you as the pastor, uh, the lead pastor of your church, Jen, and how that's played out for you guys. And Jeff, I know you're no stranger to um, maybe some public controversy as the editor of uh, a national magazine that's gotten a little bit of criticism thrown at it in the past. Um, so there's a lot going on in the media right now with um, Beth Moore, you know, kind of stepping out of the SBC and just a lot of women pastoral roles being talked about. And I'm just wondering, like, what does that look like on a broader scale for you guys? I know in your own, like within your church, you're saying you, you haven't really gotten into like the conflict of it. What does that mean on a broader scale for you guys? Well, I'm looking at Jeff because I, I thought he would run with this. I was told recently, um, by a group of, of women pastors that I that I regularly connect with. I was told recently that they were so thrilled that my husband was such a strong advocate for women in ministry. So I, I kind of am looking at him to, to lead this, to be honest. <laughs> well, normally I try to stay out of controversy on social media because I just find it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's political views change because people get on and argue. Uh, People's theological views generally don't change. But sometimes I can't help myself (laughs) a little bit because (laughs) there's just stuff out there that is that is just incorrect. And so um, sometimes I do because I feel like nobody is uh, necessarily in some of these threads, uh, you know, voicing uh, an accurate view. So um, I'm pretty familiar with kind of the different sides. I grew up in a family uh, where uh, we would go to kind of every church in town. Uh, if they had an event, we would show up. So a <laughs> uh, long line of Reformed Presbyterians on my dad's side of the family. They still do not uh, allow women in ministry. They, in fact, they sing uh, Psalms acapella in their worship. So kind of just a, a unique group and uh, grew up pre-Methodist this, but went to a Baptist Christian school as well. So I just had a lot of charismatic Pentecostal friends. So just kind of I've throughout my life absorbed kind of the different sides of the spectrum and have always been interested in figuring out kind of where the differences in beliefs are. So all that to say, uh, as I get online and I read things, I see things. uh, So a few years back before Jen was a pastor, actually, I uh, saw on a Christian magazine, I, I read their website, uh, one of the editors saying that um, as soon as a church allows women pastors, you know, it just goes off the deep end and uh, every gives up kind of every other value that it has. And so that was probably the first time I just had to get on the commentary and say, <laughs> 
Actually, that's not the case. The founder of the Free Methodist Church, which is an evangelical denomination, pretty conservative reputation over the years. Uh, back in the 1800s, the founder, B.T. Roberts, wrote a book called Ordaining Women. So I see this all the time on social media. Um, if there's an ad with a woman pastor, it'll have like a male or a female pastor in like, uh, you know, uh, clerical robes. People will start trolling and saying, you know, churches that allow women pastors uh, are heretical or going straight to hell, things like that. So sometimes I just, especially if I see a long thread and nobody is presenting a, another side, I, I do have to engage and jump just say, in. well, actually, that's not the case. <laughs> and uh, so recently I've done that a few times on Twitter. Um, and so, yeah, apparently some people have noticed that, I, you know, but I try to be gracious and just say, hey, here's a link to this book by B.T. Roberts from the 1800s. You can read it online to show that what you're saying is not necessarily the case. And uh, I just heard in the last couple of days uh, a well-known uh, Christian broadcaster, I won't say who it was, but uh, I was listening to a podcast with him and he was making the case that, you know, pretty much apart from Pentecostal charismatic, no Bible-believing denominations allow women in ministry. And, you know, I that one I didn't get on and respond to, but I just know that's not the case. And so, uh, you know, from time to time, do you need to kind of point that out to some folks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's amazing how much historical context uh, people don't have anymore, maybe because we have so much information coming out of us at us all the time immediately, but we are missing context. And so um, I feel like people are look at, you know, just the Beth Moore stuff and like, oh, she got woke or, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of try to label it like, oh, all of a sudden today's culture, she's trying to be relevant or whatever. But then you look at denominations like this one that have for 150 years been ordaining women and calling women pastors within a structured denomination. And um, I I just think there's so much context people are missing in history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've had, um, I mean, again, kind of going back into the, to the context of our own local church, I have had a couple of people who called me up and said, I don't know how I feel about women in ministry and kind of what Jeff is saying too, just trying to respond in, in grace and saying, you know what, I'm not always sure how I feel about it either. So let's talk about it. Let's read this book together and let's figure this out together. Because I I feel like there are some people who don't know how they feel about it, don't know what they really believe, but they're willing to engage and they're willing to seek. And uh, they're willing to read like BT Roberts book. They're willing to read Bishop Kendall's book, follow her lead. They're willing to look at things like that. Um, is there room for she and Shepherd? And, uh, try to kind of figure it out and, and recognize that maybe we haven't been looking at it in the, the proper context before. Well, maybe we weren't interpreting scriptures properly to begin with yes. because we didn't have the context <laughs> for how some of these things were said, but we won't get into all that. That's a whole theological thing. So <laughs> just in case Sorry, anyone's listening, thinking we're box. just throwing out the Bible and being inerrant, you know, I just want to be really clear. <laughs> There are ways to understand the cultural context of Paul's words that we base a lot of information on without understanding. So I think we're all on that same page. We'll just leave it there. And if you are listening and want to know more, we can recommend some great books for you. I love it. I feel like I said I love it like five times. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> that was my soapbox. I can get off of it now, and we don't have to get political. But since since I had a woman pastor and her husband on here, I wanted to to get there. <laughs> It's really been fun. I mean, just to see Jeff kind of grow in this role and try to figure it out because 
there, there's not been a lot of role models for what that looks like. And so, um, you know, you hear about, for example, on Sunday mornings, you hear about the pastors who go into church and start getting ready for the church and the pastor's wives who take care of the kids and bring them all in. And, and, you know, that's not really how we work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so just kind of trying to figure out what does that mean for him to be a pastor's husband and um, be supportive of me and ministry, be supportive of our church. And not just that, I mean, before I became the pastor, Jeff was serving as the delegate. He was serving in different areas around the church. And then he needed, or he recognized he needed to take a step back from that. Um, Shouldn't have a, a pastor whose husband is the, is one of the delegates of the church. So he's still trying to kind of figure out where God is calling him to serve on the local church level. Then Um, obviously he serves at the denominational level, but yeah, he wants to be involved in the local church level as well. I I do do the worship slides sometimes for church, (laughs) which is a, can be a very controversial uh, position, but uh, not necessarily powerful, except you are, you know, controlling what people sing, but uh, yeah, still figuring out the other roles uh, that I can play. But, but some of them are, I think, just stepping into things like that men's Bible study, Mm -hmm. the, the pastor has always gone to that. So obviously Jen, they've said is welcome, but you know, it's uh, not necessarily uh, fits, doesn't fit with her schedule and all, uh, but I'm able to step in and, and be part of that. I, I was going to say, I think that this will actually produce a really healthy conversation in the church world about what is the role of the spouse when you're called. Yeah. I, I guess I just grew up, uh, my parents co-pastored and um I, there's a lot of people who, if they're married or pastor, their whole identity is the wife of that as though they don't also have their own gifts that they bring to the body of Christ. And so I really have a passion about like kind of encouraging those women because it's like, if that, if he's here, then this is my role to support. And I, I think we all support each other in whatever gifts we're called to. Um, I'm not saying that you don't, I think that's part of unity is part of walking together, but I think there's an unfair expectation that when one is in this position, then the other must fall into this like box. And then it puts a lot of uh, just unnecessary. Well, it boxes people in. So you don't really see who they are and their gift to the body of Christ, uh, which could be really amazing all on its own, but they feel like they have to serve in this role that was like predetermined as the pastor's wife. And so I love that we've got spouses now because that's going to look really different for men and women. And it should look different for every person to, just based on who God's called you to be. You're bringing a gift to the body of Christ and we support each other, you know, I mean, there's just, yeah, I could talk on that for a while. Cause I get a little riled up about it, but also I was the one who, yeah, we came early to church for everything. And sometimes my husband brought the kids and sometimes I did it just depended on who was serving that day and who was called to do what and a lot of times, a lot of people in the church were holding my babies while I was on the stage dancing or singing or I don't know. And there's your soapbox. <laughs> we both had to get one in. Sorry. It's just the nature of things around here. But you're living it out. And I think that the more that we see this begin to um, be fleshed out in other places, and hopefully even outside of just the few denominations that are allowing it, that we'll get a healthier balance to what this looks like. And um, just like you said about childcare, you know, we there's so many ways that you can bring who you are to the table to be part of the solution. And motherhood doesn't just have to look like one thing, or being important in a child's life doesn't just have to look like this traditional. You know, there's just so many beautiful ways that the kingdom of God is expressed through all, 
if he wanted us all to be the same person, he would have made us that way. He gave us so many personalities and skin tones and beautiful cultures. And when we begin to really honor that, I just think that's what unity really looks like. It doesn't have to be sameness, which is what we have striven for way too long. Um, So you guys are living that out as a really great example to us. But thank you for being willing to so vulnerably share your story. Um, I agree with you. I think that there are listeners that um, are struggling themselves and maybe infertility is not their struggle, but wherever they are in their walk to just be encouraged that God is moving, even when we can't see he's moving, he's got this and he's going to, we're going to get to a different perspective at some point. And I know that feels so trite and like a platitude when you're living through really hard, dark days, but you get to the other side and have a different perspective to see what he was doing in that season. And that is really beautiful. So thanks for sharing the beauty of your lives and your testimony with us. Jeff, happy early father's day. And thank you for breaking the glass ceiling here on our podcast. Uh, yeah, just uh, really appreciate uh, this opportunity and uh, check out lightenlife.fm. <laughs> That's uh, my work. <laughs> and, and it's good work. Had to throw in a plug. It is good work. Mm-hmm. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org. For information and pricing about individual coaching sessions, and we even offer virtual and in-person staff training opportunities for your organization. You can also follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org. And while you're there, check out our retreat for this November 2021 in Colorado. We have registration live and we would love to see you there.